This You Went to Golf Masters update with Brian Taylor is brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Now, here's Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor. Brian, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. We're ready to talk some golf. But first, I want to talk food. <laughs> so we've heard the promo. If you didn't hear the interview live, and you were talking with uh, with Scotty and Hands about uh, DJ and the pigs in a blanket. Once upon a time, doing radio a long time ago, and I I think it was in the early days with PK, but it, it might have been way back with Gordon and Ron Boone. But whatever, somehow it was DJ. What would you order with the Masters? And I had a few of my favorite foods, and somebody said that sounds like what you'd get at Chuckarama, and everybody had a good laugh at my expense. I couldn't help but listen to that and say, pigs in a blanket and lobster? I took a lot of grief for a lot more. But does DJ take any grief for that? Or once you have the green jacket, it's like you're, uh, you're grief-proof. You're bulletproof. You can order whatever you want. Pigs in a blanket yeah. and lobster? Yeah. Where in America would you get that other than the champion's dinner at Augusta? <laughs> I, I would say that's probably one of the more casual items on maybe the uh, most prestigious dinner in sports, right? I mean, pigs in a blanket. I mean, that. By the way, I was, if it was back in the, uh, the the Gordon Monson and Ron Boone era, I was probably producing that show. So uh, yeah. there's probably some tape of that somewhere. But <laughs> any, anyway, I yeah, I mean, pigs in a blanket. The way I grew up was uh, was about as rudimentary as you could get. You'd pop open the old Pillsbury dough tube, you know, make the pop, and then wrap that wrap a hot dog in one of that that dough and, and bake it for. 15 minutes or something that's pigs in a blanket from what i was able to see from the uh post from the masters is apparently it was kielbasa in a puff pastry which is a, a bit of a stretch for what i would call pigs in a blanket it looked a whole lot fancier than than that but but yeah i mean leave it to dj right i mean he, he dj loves the sandwiches uh there was a video of him last week making up his own version of a pimento cheese and and how he likes to do it and and that type of thing so you know he if it was up to dj he'd probably just as soon uh serve serve some plain master sandwiches out there at the dinner but that that i mean he's a he's a southern guy he's a casual guy he's a pretty simple dude and and he's just you know he, he doesn't need a whole lot to be happy yeah that's the essence uh golf digest had a big story on him and that was the whole essence of him it's just golf and he took that mindset, and he's been able to play better. It's a big story about Mike Weir. I think Feinstein wrote it, too, if you should get Golf Digest, which I do. So I read it the other day talking about Mike and his life, which we've chronicled here. As far as Dustin Johnson goes, in my mind, I want to get your opinion of this. In my mind, to me, if he's on, now you got to be on, obviously, but if he's on, he is the best player in the world, and he will win it. Well, it's hard to argue with that, you know. I mean, especially right now. You know, we, we've had conversations around this. If you took, you know, these players at their best, all with their A game, who would you pick? And it's an interesting discussion. I think a lot of us, a lot of us point to Rory McIlroy when we're having those conversations. But Rory's out of sorts a little bit right now. So um, that doesn't mean he can't get it back this week or he hasn't able to find something. But he kind of went down that uh, rabbit hole chasing Bryson and got lost. Uh, didn't leave the breadcrumbs as Bryson talked about that that he left uh, when when he went down that hole to make sure he could get back out if he needed to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Dustin Johnson is is um, is an amazing talent. The fact that he's only won two majors is a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, he's he's, pro- he's not probably he is the most consistent player 
in the last two decades on the PGA Tour with at least one win every single year. It's phenomenal what DJ's been able to do with his career, and yet I don't think he's even peaked. And that, that's, the, that's the amazing thing about DJ is I don't think anybody that follows the game would suggest that DJ has peaked. And so I, I, think, I think he has a, a lot more to win and, and could be a, a Phil Mickelson-type player that wins the Masters you know, later in his career and ends up having a, a whole major career, you know, late, late in his 30s and into his 40s. Most people love to sink and guess. I'm going to give you a chance to sink and guess. Are you ready? I want, to, okay. I want to rip right through these. I want you immediate reaction, very quick, just jump in. We have a master's draft with Bob. It's three rounds, three guys, nine players, females off the board. He's a local guy. Everybody knows him. Everybody wants him to win. So he's everybody's pick. So he's the 10th guy, but we can't draft him. Okay, so here's a nine. Quick reaction. Are you ready? Yep. Justin Thomas. Pick him. Jordan Spieth. Pick him. Bryson DeChambeau. I don't pick him. D, uh, Dustin Johnson, you've already talked about. John Rahm. Yep. Rory McIlroy. Mm, question mark. Xander Shoffley. You pick him. Patrick Cantley. Mm, question mark. Patrick Reed. Question mark. <laughs> There's our nine. So uh, Bob took Justin Thomas right out of the gate. I took Jordan Spieth and PK hit DeChambeau. And then the second round, it was uh, Bob <laughs> with DJ. I took Rom and PK took Rory. And then Bob finished up with Xander and I took Cantley and PK took Reed. So who's going to so win? pretty much... I pretty much said uh, PK was questionable on every one of his picks. Let me let me just say this, PK. Um, Bryson has finished his lowest finish was as an amateur, and he tied for twenty first. He's never had a top twenty five finish as a professional. I I just don't know if he's you know. And look, Phil Mickelson it took him a long time to figure out Augusta, and he was a much better player than DeChambeau. I just think there's a combination that you have to figure out. There's there, there's power, sure, power is important, but. The, the thing that surprises me so much is that as the, for as all the scientific approach that, that DeChambeau takes to the game of golf, um, like driving and distance itself is probably the least most important thing when it comes to Augusta. I mean, I, I don't want to minimize it. It helps. But he's, figured, he's trying to figure out how to take it over the trees out of bounds on one and draw it over the bunker to leave himself a little wedge shot when he really needs to be figured out, where do I need to leave it, in what spots to attack, which areas of the green, and, and where not to miss it. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to, you know, over the years, I was, I was privileged to sit with Billy Casper at Augusta, and we're watching on the monitor, and, and him describe, you know, different areas and different shots. And, you know, and, and that's why I love Justin Thomas and, and his chances, because what he's essentially do, did is he found, as he, in his words, I, thought I was lucky enough to be in that group with Tiger and Fred Couples, in these practice rounds. And so he says, I just follow them around like a puppy dog. If they drop at a certain spot and they hit chip shots, as soon as they're done, I walk over and drop it in that same spot and hit chip shots. If they're putting from over here, I walk over and putt from over there. And so it's helping him to learn and understand and figure out this unique combination about the golf course. So I, I look, I don't fault you for picking Bryson DeChambeau. The guy's number five player in the world and he's a reigning U.S. Open champ and you know, he's got ten, uh, distance for days and, and certainly maybe there's something up his sleeve and he breaks through and wins and nobody would discount that. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's an ama- he's a great, great player, world, world player. But it just, and by the way, he, he's coming in a little more humbly to the Masters this, this time than he did back in November when he popped in with a lot of bravado and, and kind of got shot down. So, um, but but it, he is an interesting one. And, and the fact that when I look at trends for the Masters, he's not necessarily trending in a way that I would suggest he's ready to win there. Right. But you got to understand, 
Brian. I pick last. I'll let the other guys have it. That somehow I've been slotted as last, which is the story of my life, obviously. I'm assigned last. And two years ago, I picked Tiger, and nobody picked him. So it, it's sweeter Bam. when I win. You know, anybody, oh, I'm going to take Dustin Johnson. I'm going to take Justin Thomas. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay. I mean, those are obvious. I got to go off the beaten path a little bit. And what I think is going to make the difference is earlier in the week, Bryson DeChambeau was on the range, and standing next to him was Vijay Singh. And I once was in the same workout room at the JW Marriott in Vegas with Vijay Singh early on a Saturday morning. The two of us were in there. He had his personal trainer. I was wearing, of course, a, a sleeveless tank top, and we both worked out together. And VJ told Bryson, and I think this is the key, he told him that he wasn't swinging hard enough. He was swinging too easy. So he's going to swing harder, and that's going to make the difference. He's not going to have to go over any trees because he's going to hit the ball so freaking hard, he's going to go through the trees. So if I'm connecting the dots here, somehow with VJ standing on the range next to Bryson and the fact that you worked out in a tank top with he and his personal trainer at the J-Dub some time ago, that is going to all come together in the cosmos and he's going to be wearing a green jacket at the end of the week. I'm following You're you. focused I'm like a laser. You totally understand this story. I know. I, I can't believe I missed it in the beginning. I should have never underestimated you, PK. My, my apologies right off the bat. Yes, he was down there to play – in the Vegas tournament, and I was down there to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert that night. And there it is, Jimmy Buffett. I, I mean, I'm, I'm smacking myself in the head. What am I thinking? And Jimmy's long off the tee himself, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which surprises me because he's more of a laid-back fella. You think he'd be, uh, you know, kind of a you know, little softer off the tee with all that laid-back stuff. <laughs> Let me just fill you in on one detail on PK's whole story there. He does pick third. He volunteered to pick third. He was laying a trap. He wanted to go three. <laughs> he picked Tiger. Tiger wasn't, if you remember, it's not like Tiger won eight times on tour going into that. And mm-hmm. Bob had pumped Tiger up forever. It was a total trap. He took Tiger. Tiger won. And PK just roasted. I mean, he just tortured <laughs> poor Bob. It was a thing of beauty. It was a work of art. He's playing the victim now. But I'm telling you, sly like a fox, he knew what he was doing all along. Let's let Bob go first. He's the guest. And so Bob does go first all the time. And I go second because PK knows I don't know what I'm doing. And so he'll probably get his guy a third anyway. And then he gets to play the victim and win. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and then that night when Tiger... Tiger went one when he won. I went and bought a tiger hat, a tiger shirt, and I had black pants, and I looked like Tiger. Uh, I did my Tiger impression that night on Channel Two. Yeah, no, you had it right the first time. You do look like Tiger. I mean, I mean, just from that workout all those years ago. <laughs> nice. <with> tiger, nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, on a serious note about DeChambeau, though, I'm flicking around yesterday and I hit some of ESPN's master coverage. Right, they got Andy North down there with Scott Van Pelt, and they're talking about a bunch of stuff. And then they go to DeChambeau, and they've got video of him on the range. And he's calling for a golf ball. I mean, it looks like straight out of the movies, right? You're going to try to hit 10 in a row over the water. I mean, is it just 10 cup and you're Kevin Costner? And he's putting it down, he's teeing up, and he is 
lashing. It looked like a boxing workout. He is just like sweats flying off him. Like like he's into Patrick Ewing all-time sweating territory. I'm starting to sweat, and I'm just sitting in a chair watching TV. And he come back to Andy North, and Andy North is laughing, and Andy's like, I love that. He didn't actually love it. It entertained him. He didn't love anything about it. And, you know, he's got all the worries you think he might have. But it entertained him. He wants DeChambeau to do well. You can tell he thinks it's a story and he thinks it's interesting, but he also thinks it's not the way to go. Is I mean, we all saw Tiger. We heard people say Tiger's body is going to break down. And then Tiger's body did break down. Is it just inevitable? Are we just counting the weeks and the months until DeChambeau does? Yeah, I mean that that's been the question. I've I've heard it mentioned on Golf Channel, ESPN, you know, amongst everybody is saying, you know, is that sustainable? Is going that hard sustainable because golf is much more of a marathon, you know, type career than a than than a sprint. I mean, you you know, guys play for a couple of decades out there or more. And um yeah, you know, I look at Brooks Kepka. Maybe we'll talk about him, but I mean, Brooks is playing this week and he had knee surgery three weeks ago, right? I mean, you know, that, that's as fit of a guy as you could have. Tiger, you know, when, when his book came out in, the, in 2000-ish, like The Way I Play, or I think is what it was called, he talked about snapping the left knee in order to generate power. And, you know, he's had a dozen, half a dozen knee surgeries on that knee because of that, that motion. And, you know, there, and yet he was real wiry back then too. And then everyone's everyone's lifting and bulking, and and I'm not going to suggest that's not the way to go. But it it is interesting to me when you just sit back and look at it. The Phil Mickelson, you know, sort of the anti-Tiger, the anti-Deshambo. You know, he he's the one that's been able to stay healthy this whole time, and he has more of a long, fluid, more lanky style golf swing than the loaded up and go all after it. Now, now Phil has been chasing it. He's got his coffee workout and he's losing weight and he's, you know, he's trying to chase speed and quote unquote hit bombs. I get it. And that's, that's just, that's Phil bravado. But at the end of the day, he's got a fairly smooth swing and he's been able to have a, a, a nice long career. So can DeShambo sustain it? It doesn't seem like it. I mean, just watching that, my back hurt like most people. Um, and that was a drill, by the way. I watched him again this morning, early this morning on the range, and he was swinging much more controlled, more normal-looking golf swing than that. That was a speed drill that he does, and it certainly was for effect. Uh, and I thought Han's comment was, was – and Scott, Scott Gerardo's comment was great. He's just kind of trying to get in everybody's kitchen with all that, you know, and get in their heads like he did with Rory. But um, I, I can't think that that kind of going hard at it with a golf swing – your body's just not made to do the things a golf swing does. And so the harder you go, the – I think the shorter your career is. Okay, but so what? If he has 14 majors and 80 wins and he's done by 38, doesn't he? every single PGA golfer sign up for that and say oh, 100%. absolutely? 100%. But I don't – I mean, like, like I said, you know, it, to, the, to, to this point, the results aren't there. Yeah, he blew the field away at Wingfoot. That was – that still is a head-scratcher, by the way. Um, and Rory came out and, and tried to talk that away with, you know, hey, the longer wedges – you know, and he comes in so steep, he's able to get more, um, more, more angle into the rough and be able to create more, more, uh, more speed through the ball out of that rough, which, you know, that type of thing. But so, okay, maybe he unlocked something there, right, that particular week. But, but to me, I, don't, I mean, I don't see him going out there week in and week out dominating the field. There's players that are taking a much more conservative approach that are being more successful and more consistent. So to me, it hasn't proven to be the thing yet. 
Uh, and and by the way, I, I, it has proven to screw up one of the best drivers of the golf ball in in recent history in Rory McIlroy. So I don't think it's something that everyone's going to completely jump on board with. But I do think that younger players now, I mean, it, there's there's got to be something to say. Hey, hit it as hard as you can. We'll figure the rest out later. I do think that's a bit of a of a change in philosophy as opposed to figure out how to hit it straight and then we'll we'll lengthen the swing and increase the distance. So it, that that part of it, I think, is is definitely a change. All right, your guy. You didn't draft with us, but you know you do want to call your shot. So if you got anything, anybody, because we draft these nine guys, but honestly, more tournaments than not, and we, only, we just do it for the majors, more often than not, though, the winner is not one of the nine guys, so maybe we didn't even mention it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, I think John Rahm's an interesting story to watch this week. You know, he's, he, his wife and he just had their first baby, and he's, you know, he was fourth in 2018. Um, he shot 66 there. In fact, I think he holds the record for the lowest last 54 holes at 14 under. I mean, the guy has, um, you know, he, he has a ton of talent and he's, he's had top tens in, in three starts there. So he's a guy that, you know, maybe he's coming off this refreshing new feeling that happened. Danny Willett described that after he, when he won that his wife had just had a baby prior to coming. So he's kind of one that maybe doesn't, isn't getting talked about as much. Uh, I think Xander Schauffele is an interesting case. Um, you know, he's playing in his fourth Masters, and he has made 25 birdies back in 2019. The last time it was played in April, he made 25 birdies. That's tied for the second most in Masters history with Phil Mickelson there. Jordan Spieth with 28 is the, is the leader. So I think there's a guy that's shown, look, he, he's played here three times. He knows how to make birdies. He's kind of figured out some of the combination of Augusta National. So I think, I think Xander and Rom are a couple of guys that, that you might want to pay attention to this week. And uh, out, outside of that, I really think the favorites are, are, are there for a reason. And um, the, the most interesting story to me uh, that could probably come out of this outside of maybe Spieth winning another one would be super popular. Dustin trying to defend. That's only happened three times. Uh, but Rory McIlroy is now um, trying for the career Grand Slam for the seventh time. He's also trying to win it in his 12th attempt. Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, Ray Floyd all won on their 12th attempt. I think that would be a big story as well uh, for the game of golf. So those are those are the storylines that I'm excited to watch. And then, of course, if if Finau can continue his form there at the Masters would be would be fun. But with all of those things converging, and then Brooks coming in and he's going to basically try to play on one leg like Tiger Wood did in 08. I think it's a, this is going to be a super compelling week. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. All right, well, we got a break now. Pigs in a blanket for everyone. I like it. And if you're going hand style, he wants it uh, sausage wrapped in a pancake dipped in maple syrup, which, by the way, sounds pretty darn good right now. It really does. All right, thank you. We appreciate it, and we'll hear you Saturday morning, Real Golf Radio. You and Bob Casper uh, every week. Appreciate it, guys. Always good to be with you. All right, there he is. Bob Taylor joining us. Bob Taylor. Brian Taylor joining us. He and Bob Casper uh, alternate all week long and get us our Masters updates right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.